Now am I on? I do this. I like doing this. It's like my favorite part. Am I good? All right. There we go. So as soon as I uh, walk away, nothing, no one will hear me. And then you can go back to sleep. No, I'm just joking. Thank you guys for junior church. I have to apologize that we're not having junior church because it's hard for me to be in two places at one time. So for those of you in junior church, I want to just tell you, I think if you hang on with me, if you track with me, I think that it'll be able to help. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm a loser. But it's okay because Jesus saves. Jesus saves. No, but um, we're going to have a good time. And as we walk through, I think... The passage that we're going to be dealing with here in just a second and the thought we're going to share, we're going to talk about fear for a little bit. And I think it'll really just help all of us, I believe, from whatever age we are, if we'll, uh, as we sang earlier, open our eyes and open our ears to be able to hear from God's word. And so as we begin, as I was thinking on this, I will tell you when um pastor told me a while ago he was going to be on vacation and I had this time to preach. And this was not fear and anxiety was not anywhere close to on my radar for preaching. So I had lots of other things that I wanted to preach about. But as I read through the word of God, like the Lord brought me and we'll turn there in a little bit to Second Chronicles. And I was telling the kids in um, youth group, that, I mean, in uh, Sunday school this morning. I was saying that I can tell you how many times I go to Second Chronicles and read just for fun in my lifetime. And I told them it's probably about zero that I, I turned to Second Chronicles like, I just need a blessing. I can go through Chronicles. But I believe the passage in Chronicles that we're going to talk about when we talk about fear is going to be probably one of the clearest, I'd say, that I've seen in a while in responses to fear. And so as I began to study this and think through this thing of fear, I began to think about the things that I was afraid of when I was young. And it seems like when you're young and now that you're an adult, the fears that you had when you were a child, seems so much, they almost seem funny now. Like they look at it and it's like, I can't even believe. When we were growing up, one of the things, if we ever told our dad we were scared, he would make us go on the other side of our house. He would say, shut all the lights off in the house. The whole family would be in one room, which we called the den. And so we'd all sit in the den and um, he'd make us walk to the other side of the house and sit there until he called us. So if we ever, you ever said you were scared about anything, it's like, oh man, I'm scared, dad. All right, go to the other side, go to the washroom. And we have to go sit there in the dark. And of course, like when you're a kid, everything, like every like tree that blows outside, everything that touches a window, it's like freaking out. You're thinking, waiting for something to bust through a glass and like snatch you away. And it's like, Dad, if I walk to the other side of the house, no one will be able to save me. Even though we don't even have that big of a house. But it's, it's all of a sudden. But now as I look at it and as an adult, I laugh and I'm like, big deal, the other side of the house. I look, look at it now and as an adult, I, I go to my mom's house and I look and like, the other side of the house, like, literally, I could throw a rock and hit the other side of the house. Like, it's, it's nowhere. But in the, when I was a child, it was terrifying to go to the other side of the house. I remember um, when my dad first stopped going to church, for those of you who know, um, my mom and dad are separated. And so um, when my dad first started stopped going to church, he would stay home on Wednesday nights. And so it kind of like he'd stop going on Wednesday nights and then it stopped on Sunday nights. And then ultimately it stopped on Sunday mornings. It just kind of went from there. But as we were growing up, when he first started going on Wednesday nights, Every now and then, if you were sick, you stayed at home with dad on Wednesday nights. And so on Wednesday nights, dad, my dad loved the show America's Most Wanted. And it came on on Wednesday nights. And I remember, like, probably the first or second time that I was sick and I found out, like, oh, man, this is great. Like, when you're sick, you just stay with dad. You get to lay in bed all the whole time. You don't have to go to church or anything like that. So, dad, I'm just going to let you know your kids watch you <laughs> and what you do. But I remember he started watching America's Most Wanted. And I remember watching America's Most Wanted. They show all these faces of these people who are still at large. And they start telling you all the things that they did. And it was just finally to the point. It's like, I just want to go to church. I don't even care. Just take me to church. I don't want to know. Like, as you start watching all these people, and then you start formulating your mind, that looks like so-and-so. Because, <laughs> you know, all white people look alike. And so all of a sudden, it's like, it's like I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you're, but you're like, oh, man, that, that looks like so-and-so. And then like, all of a sudden, in my mind, I'm formulating, man, every time there's a drive-by shooting, every time a car drives by my window at night and I'm going to bed, all I can think is, like, the glass is about to shatter. They're going to start, like, and those, like, I know we didn't even live in this time. They're going to have a Tommy gun, and they're like, all through our house, and it's going to be freaking me out. I remember I used to have uh, dreams from Sunday school. I had a recurring nightmare. I'll stop talking about my goofiness, but it made me laugh. Um, but I remember having a Sunday school dream from our teachers at Sunday school teach. And I remember laying in bed every night and having a recurring dream and talking to my mom about it, that Roman soldiers came into our house. And then I was hiding in the closet and I heard them kill our family. And I had this, this our Sunday school teacher were making the Bible come alive. It was like, this is real. <laughs> and I remember like sitting in, in, my, in, uh, in bed, jumping up and like, this is terrifying. 
as my mom would tell me, it's not in all the things that you as a parent have said to your kids, but it's still like the next night I'd have that same crazy dream and I still freak out. But now as an adult, I look at it and think about Roman soldiers coming to my house and it, it does make me laugh. And like, it's like, man, that I even thought Roman soldiers were even alive still or whatever. And it's like, it was such a dumb thing. But now as an adult, I have different fears. I have different anxieties. I, at times, can I be honest? I'm afraid to stand in front of you guys right now. <laughs> I don't consider myself like a great public speaker, so to stand in front of people terrifies me. I have different fears. Being a dad, at times there are moments where I'm wondering, I'm like, what if I make the wrong decision? <laughs> what if I make a wrong call? What if I do something stupid? And my kids are forever, like, it was dad's fault. It was my dad's fault. It was my dad's fault. Like, all of a sudden, there's a lot of fears, And anxieties that I carry, and I don't know what yours look like. Maybe you don't even call it fear. Maybe you're like, right now there's some things I'm concerned about. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a family member's health issue. My my parents are getting up in age, and I'm I'm concerned because I gotta think through some things that I haven't had to think through before. I'm concerned because you know what? Some of the things right now that are going on in the body I don't understand. And I'm going to have to go figure out what's going on. And so I'm concerned. Maybe it's like, I I don't call it fear, but you know what? I worry about things financially. Like looking at the way things are going for me, I'm looking at things and it's not adding up to the way it needs to add up. (laughs) Like I'm not great at math, but I know this deficit is not going to be fixed by what I'm bringing in. Maybe it's I'm anxious because of the stage in life I'm at right now. And I've noticed that this question, and this thing doesn't go away. Like, when you're 12, and you're anxious about life and trying to figure things out, it doesn't go away. It still happens at 18. And it still happens at 34. And it still happens in all our lives. Man, I'm 34 years old. What does God have for the rest of my life? And I start to think through these things, and I am like, Lord, I don't want to live my life the whole time here on earth, and find out I was doing the wrong thing. I was going the wrong direction. I was wasting my time. I don't know what your fears look like. But I do know, as we look through the word of God in just a minute, the word of God gives us a plan for it. Now, to this morning and then tonight, I thought it would be best, the best way to spend our time since I didn't figure, uh, since some of you heard I was preaching, you thought you were going to be out early. So I know what you're thinking. And so I think the best use of our time would be to uh, study part of this passage this morning and then study the rest of it tonight. So we're going to walk through this passage, but then we're going to come back tonight and delve in one specific that I really want to do, and I wanted to give it justice, so we're going to have to wait. So, but as we look at it, I don't know what our fears look like, but I believe the Word of God has a thing. So we're going to Second Chronicles. I told you that. Second Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going. Second Chronicles chapter number 20. And as we get there, Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we talk about our fears. Just like I said, some of us, maybe you're more manly than I, and you don't call it fear, you don't call it anxiety. <laughs> but whatever it is, we have it. It's interesting. Um, Chelsea Sullenberger, Captain Sully, from the Flight 1549 that landed in the Hudson uh, a couple years ago. In his book, The Highest Duty, he talks about that... When he had that five minutes or so, when he determined that his engines were failing and that he was going to have to bring his plane down, and as he's running all these things through his mind, he said, in that five minutes or so, he's like, I was not a hero. He said, I did what I had done so many other times in a lot shorter bit of time because I already knew what to do. I just had to do it. And he talks about in his book that There are many times where military fighter pilots and all this, because of the cost of their planes and all the responsibility they have, he says, as they're about to crash, what would seem logical is to eject. The plane's not worth it. My life is worth more than this plane. So to eject out of their seats. But he says, what happens is in that few seconds that they have to determine what's going to happen with the plane, they begin to think, well, I think I can pull this plane up. I think I can do this if I do one more thing. And they begin to, instead of thinking through the checklist of what needs to happen, they begin to try and formulate different equations to make it. And he said, in those few seconds that they have, they don't make a decision because they're locked. And he said, that's why sometimes you'll see them plow right into the ground and never eject out of their seat because of fear of making the wrong decision. Fear 
of if I go down this plane, I'm going to have to answer for why I let that plane hit the ground. And he said they lose their lives over it. And he says in the moments that he had in that five minutes or so when he's about to land on the Hudson and he's making the decision, him and his co-pilot are making the decision, Captain Sullenberger said, I just did the process that I knew to do and everybody on that plane survived. It's a huge thing to know that you landed a plane on the water and everybody walked off. And the worst thing that happened was I think one of the the, um, stewardesses slashed their leg on a seat was like the worst injury that they had. But it became because he knew what to go, what to do in the circumstances. As we go to Second Chronicles, chapter number twenty, we're talking about a man Jehoshaphat, and maybe we're not familiar with him that much. But Jehoshaphat is—he's a man who does right, but in the Bible, there are things that he makes some really foolish decisions. There's some things that he makes decisions with. He he leaves up with some bad people. Ahab to be one of them we'll talk about in a little bit. He makes some bad decisions, but ultimately in the Bible, the Bible says that he's a good king and he desires to follow the Lord. But I think there's no better example. Like I know it sounds bad, but sometimes when we see people in the Bible that have difficulties and they have struggles, it kind of gives us the sense, like we don't want anybody to have struggles, but it kind of like, I'm not the only one. (laughs) I'm not the only one who's not perfect. I'm not the only one that doesn't struggle. And so look at Jehoshaphat. I think in this passage, we have one of the clearest Game plans, response plans for what happens when I'm grasped by fear. And what I wanted to do, the reason I tell you the story of Sullenberger is not because any of us are going to have to land a plane on the Hudson. Well, if you do, praise the Lord, I can say I knew you once. But it's not for that. It's so that in times of fear, we don't focus on the fear. We focus on what needs to happen next. Where do I need to go? What needs to happen? And that happens... It doesn't matter if you're five, six, seven, eight years old and you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep because you're terrified. It happens as an adult when I'm woken up in the middle of the night because I don't know the next situation and what the next step is. And it just bothers me. I can't even sleep because all the fears and we may not call them fears. We may not call them exactly worries. Whatever word you want to put in there that keeps you up at night. This tells us what we need to do. So as we walk through, we're just going to walk through this passage this morning. And then we'll walk through a little bit more tonight. And we'll see what God has. Let's stop and ask God's help as we walk into this. That he would be glorified in it. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. We need your help. Lord, because you know that we are dust. Lord, you know our limitations. You know our weaknesses. But Lord, sometimes we're, we're blind to them. And Lord, we're afraid of things that are out of our control. We believe that we have more power than what we really have. And so we believe that we can manipulate and change and fight and worry to change things. But God, we know from your word that that's not true. But Lord, sometimes we don't even know the next step to take. So God, as we walk through this passage, God, would you please work in my heart? Would you please work in our church? Lord, as we walk through your word, that you be glorified as your word is proclaimed. And Lord, once again, we claim the promise that it's not going to return void. So God, we're asking that you do something for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Second Chronicles 20, I know you might have to dust it off, so I gave you a little extra time to find it. But in Second Chronicles chapter 20, we'll start reading. And we'll just walk through the story of Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1 says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So Jehoshaphat is a king... And he's the king of Judah. And so right now, multiple uh, groups of people, multiple nations are coming to fight against Israel. And so Jehoshaphat's the king, and it falls on his responsibility to figure out what's going next. Then there came, verse number two, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on, on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazar and Tamar, which is in Engedi. And verse 3 is where we begin. So we know an army's coming, multiple armies are coming to take out Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Verse number 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. And Jehoshaphat feared. And as I read through this passage over and over and over again, there was a moment where I was like, God, I think this is where you'd have me. But I don't know where we're going with this. Because I read this passage over and I'm like, it's an awesome story, but I don't know where we're going. And in the moment I see that what the biggest thing in this passage is, God only spends a little bit of time and he says, Jehoshaphat feared. He was afraid. I'm responsible for these people. And in that one sentence, all of a sudden, everything kicks in to what Jehoshaphat does. And this is what I want us to see. So I want to emphasize, again, 
how little God spends time on his fear. God didn't say, and Jehoshaphat feared, and he stayed up all night. And, he, and God didn't go into all the depths of his fear. He just said, Jehoshaphat feared. And then let's keep going. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The first thing that we notice as we look at Jehoshaphat here in uh, chapter 20 is that as soon as fear hit, Jehoshaphat prepared himself to find God. See, fear oftentimes doesn't do us a lot of good. I mean, it does. If certain says we have our fight, fight or flight um, in our um, situation uh, as married, married to my wife, we know at our house that most of the time my wife's reaction to fear is fight. So if you come and you scare my wife, she's going to punch you in your face. No, I'm just <laughs> she's going she's to go ahead and take out. This is why we don't have guns in our house. Me and the kids would all be dead. <laughs> and it would all have been accidental shootings. Because <laughs> my wife is not going to ask questions when she's scared. She's just going to go ahead and take out the threat. And then <laughs> worry about who that threat was later. And my thing is, not that I... um. Not that I'm always running, but most likely, me and uh, a few other black people I know, is going to go fly. <laughs> it's like, hey, you got to get out of this situation. <laughs> Cam, you're with me. I understand. It's like, hey, I've watched enough movies to know that I'm going first. So <laughs> I need to get out of here. <laughs> and so we have, in our certain situations, fight and flight works. It's like, hey, I, I either got to stand up in this situation or I need to get out of here. Um, this is nothing to do with anything, but... Um, my mother-in-law had stayed because she was heading down to see um, Jeremy and Jessica for a little bit. So she stayed at her house that night. And, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, the alarm on her car goes off. And it's just like, burnt, burnt, burnt. And it's like, I jump out of bed. Aaron didn't even like hear and know what's going on. So I jump out of bed. And in that moment, in this, I'm not usually, once again, I'm a, fl- I'm a flight guy. But my family's in that house. So I jump out and I run outside. And I'm running around the house with my, uh, I, don't, I probably need to buy a real man's flashlight. But I just had my iPhone out. And I had the flashlight. And I'm like... <laughs> going around. I've got 911 on speed dial. I will call them if you don't, if you don't come out. No. But I, I looked around the house and I walked around our house and I couldn't find anything. So I stayed up and I told her I'm going to stay up and I'm just going to sit out um, in the living room for a little bit and just to make sure nobody's goofing off around the house or whatever. But usually my thing is flight. It's like, hey, get out of the situation. Now, and most of the time that works. But you know what? Most of the time the fears that we fear that never come, they're not there to help us. And the only way they help us is if they turn us to our Savior. The only way fear has benefit, if in that moment of fear, we don't stand on the fear, we ultimately prepare my heart to seek the Lord. Fear comes, Lord, where are you? Lord, my heart is seeking for you. All through the Psalms, all through the Word of God, God says, they that seek me will find me. And in that moment... Fear only has benefit to me if it makes me run with open arms as the young person who's scared at night would run into their mom and dad and say, hey, mom and dad, this is going on. That's the only time fear helps me at all if it makes me turn to the Savior. Let me ask you this real quick. Are you preparing your heart to seek the Lord? When was the last time that you stopped to make sure your heart was open Defend the Lord. I think I've told you guys this before, but when I was growing up, one of the messages that I remember preached by my, one of the assistant pastors in our church growing up, but he asked this question. He said, if you had to get a hold of God right now, how much sin would you have to confess? How many things would you need to get right? What would you have to do to open that communication right up to God right now if something happened? I remember him asking that and thinking like, well, that's it. And he said, hey, if you, someone in your family was sick and you need to get a hold of God right now, are you, God, you and God on the same relationship to where you could just go and talk to God? Or would there have to be, well, Lord, I know we've got a couple things here. And we know that God hears us. But everything's not all right between me and God right now. And so there's a couple things I've got to work on to get through. See, fear in Jehoshaphat's life. Hey, Jehoshaphat, there's a couple of kings who have gathered together. A multitude of them, actually, and they're coming this way to destroy you. And Jehoshaphat feared. And immediately in that moment, he turned his heart to seek God. God, I need you. The word seek there and the passage is talking about, he's literally put his hands. I mean, put his heart in the hands of God. God, I'm preparing my heart to seek you. So as we keep going, he, number one, prepares his heart to seek the Lord in 
verse number four. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So he prepares his heart to seek God. And then he proclaims the fast. Hey, people of Judah, danger is on the way. We need to pray. And the second thing he does is he partners with others. He partners with others. One of the things we know about fear, even as a child, is that fear feeds on being alone. When you're by yourself, there's no greater time than you're afraid than when no one else is there but you and your thoughts and your anxieties. You need to partner with someone else. And I'm not saying he partners with people when he says Judah fast. Now, in that moment, we know that fasting separates, uh, I'd say, the junior believers from the senior believers. He's saying, hey, you that are serious, serious trouble is coming. We need to pray. All of us. And we got to start partnering with others. This is, once again, guys in junior church, we're not having junior church right now. I know, and I'm not running around being silly or anything like that. But we know this to be true because when mom and dad, grandma and grandpa aren't in the room and you're afraid, the one thing that stops fear is when mom and dad show up. Your dad may not be like, he doesn't have to be like ripped Navy SEAL to take care of the monster under the bed. He just has to be present. And all of a sudden, everything's good. He doesn't have to be like, know any kind of martial arts. He just has to walk in the room. And everything's okay. The same thing happens with us as believers. As adults. When we can come to church and not have relationships enough with people that we can walk into the building, the assembly, and assemble together as believers and feel alone, fear feeds on that. When I don't think that I can pray with another believer and ask, you know what, right now, I'm scared for my kids. I'm terrified. And you can't come to church and receive, sit with another believer and say, would you pray with me? Fear feeds on that. Fear loves it. Well, you can come sit in the auditorium and have a room full of people and feel like no one cares. Feels like you're in this by yourself. And fear loves it. So in the moment when fear comes, Joshua feared. He prepared his heart to seek the Lord. Hey, Lord, here's my heart. Here's where I'm at. I give it to you. Those that seek me early shall find me. And then Joshua says, hey, can we do this together? Right now, I know I'm the king. I know I'm responsible for all this. I know if they come, my head is on this because I am the king of Judah. But I'm just asking right now, could you guys pray with me? Can you guys participate in prayer with me so we can make this happen? The Bible says all Judah comes together and they begin to pray for the situation. I think that it can be true with ladies, but I think it's mostly true with guys. Guys, can we say this? Could our church be known for being real men who fear but ask for prayer from other men believers? There are men in this room who have been saved for a long time and have been through struggles that some of us haven't faced yet. As I look at Pastor and Mrs. Scott sitting here, Pastor Scott has fathered his family. As his family sits here, Pastor Scott has fathered his family. He's been through battles that I have not yet had to fight. It would be foolish for me to have a friend who's pastored, who's parented, and not desire for him to partner with me in prayer. It would be foolish. It would be foolish for me to say, I'm so man, I'm such a man that I don't need that kind of help. If I need to pray, I'll pray by myself. It'd be dumb. Same thing. It's dumb for any of us in this room to believe that we're such a Christian that we don't need help from anybody else. Let me go a little step farther, okay? I'm going to go one more step farther, so stay with me. It would be foolish of any of us to think we can live the Christian life by ourselves that we don't need to assemble with the body. Well, see, when I come to church, there's nothing really going on here. I can listen to it on the podcast. I can download it. But God says there's something that happens when we meet with the assembly, with the congregation, that we do it together. So that when you have a need, 
there's somebody here who will partner with you on that need. That'll help fear. Because fear loves it, loves it. It feeds on you being alone. The same as a child laying in bed at night. Sometimes just the presence of other believers going through the same battles, the same struggles, will all of a sudden alleviate your heart. Man, I'm praying with a brother and, brother, I'm just going to be real with you. This is what's happening in my life. I need somebody to pray with me. Well, you know what? If we're both going to be honest, I'm struggling with that same thing too. Can we pray together? And then all of a sudden we see the steps. So Jehoshaphat prays. I mean, uh, Jehoshaphat prepares his heart. He partners with others. And then verse 5 through verse 13, Jehoshaphat begins to passionately pray for God to intervene. Now this prayer is beautiful, okay? This is the part where we're going to save for tonight. I'm just going to be honest. Because I want to dive into this prayer, but for us to get out before um, is it the cows come home or whatever that old saying is, for us to get out in time... We're going to have to go ahead and stop this part and we'll save it for tonight. But this prayer is beautiful. I'm going to read it because I believe it has immense value. But this prayer is beautiful and we're going to walk through it tonight and see what the prayer of fear prays. What it sound like. But let's go through verse number five. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, that there is none able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary then for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, and when thou, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And when we see this prayer, I mean, this is, this is dynamite in prayer right here. And we'll talk about it tonight because I'm trying not my best not to. But we'll just set the stage as we see that Joshua, I mean, Jehoshaphat prepares his heart to seek the Lord. God, here is my heart. He partners with other people. Hey, would you pray with me? I'm scared about this. I'm nervous about this. I'm not going to lie. And he begins to pray. And you can almost see as the whole assembly meets together, Judah meets together. And the Bible says as they stand there with their wives and their children, everyone stands together. And they begin to pray and say, God, this is the place that you've built. This is the place that you've given us. And I love it. He says, We don't have the might to withstand it. God, we don't have the wisdom. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough to handle this. But our eyes are upon you. And as they stand and wait, he begins to pray. And I will say this for the folks that may not be here tonight. Man, don't get to the point in your life where Facebook knows more about your fears than you've ever told about God to God. Don't live a life that your guys, your boys, the girlfriends, for women, guys, not you. (laughs) Your girlfriends know more about your fears than you've ever expressed in prayer to God. Because all of a sudden, in this moment, when we're trying to say, what's going to happen? Plane's going down. What do we do? I'm afraid. I prepare my heart to seek the Lord. I partner with somebody else. I need help. And then I passionately pray. God, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. I need your help. And he begins to pray, and he keeps going. And then he goes on verse number 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Methaniah. He had a, obviously had a great family because he's the son of a lot of people. A Levite of the sons of Ahab came, the spirit of the Lord, in the midst of the congregation. So all of a sudden, we haven't fought a battle yet. We haven't done anything. All of a sudden... The man of God comes out and he begins to speak. Verse number 15. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. 
Tomorrow go you down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Now, as we keep going through this process here, we see that Jehoshaphat, He's, he goes from passionately praying, and then all of a sudden he moves into a place where the man of God comes and starts speaking, and Jehoshaphat starts to pursue truth. Sometimes we're afraid. When we're afraid, we have anxieties and fears. We hate the truth, okay? Sometimes when people tell us the truth, when we're scared, we're nervous, things are going wrong, people tell us the truth, and we're like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know. And so the man of God comes in there and he says, what you never want to hear when you're afraid, when you have struggles. Don't be afraid. <laughs> oh, dang. That fixed it all. <laughs> Appreciate that, man of God. <laughs> Let's take an offering. <laughs> I got it. He comes and he says, hey, this battle isn't even yours. It's God's. So what you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to meet these people and you're going to go head up against them because You're just going to stand still and see God work. Now, a lot of times we know in our minds what has to be done. But sometimes when we're in that moment of fear and anxiety and we're not thinking straight, we're overwhelmed. All of a sudden, people try to speak truth. And now when I say speak truth, I'm going to hold on. Let's put this caveat here. There are some people that maybe I understand why you don't accept the truth that they speak. Some people haven't earned it in their life. Some people, it's like, you don't know me like that. <laughs> so don't come and tell me all those things. But once again, we're, we're talking about an assembly again. We're talking about people who love me, who are fasting and praying with me, begin excuse me, to tell you the truth. And when you do, pursue the truth. We go back to the reference as a child. Now, see, what my dad knew when he'd go send us to the other side of the house is, there's nothing on the other side of the house. As I think my dad's plunging me into danger, dad doesn't even care about me. I could be kidnapped on the other side of the house in locked doors in a good neighborhood. But dad doesn't care about me. And all of a sudden I can formulate all kinds of things. And I don't want to hear the truth. Son, I'm doing this because I love you. You're a liar, dad. You're a liar, dad. I'm going. I wouldn't say that loud. He would have like smacked me. But, but, but dad, I don't believe that. I have to pursue the truth. And so one of the things that we often do when we're afraid is we run away from truth. As soon as truth is given to us, we fight it. Well, see, that worked for them, but this is me. That, no, no, no. Why don't you just go mind your own business? But one of the things is I have to pursue it. See, the funny thing about if you know the story of Jehoshaphat, a little while earlier, what had happened was, Joshua, I told you once again, he's not, a, he's not always the most spotless guy. He has some struggles. But he makes a league with Ahab, which is a terrible king. Ahab is a terrible king of Israel. And he makes a league because Ahab says, hey, I've got some people coming to destroy us. I think this is in chapter 18. I've got some people coming to destroy us. Hey, can we make a league and we'll work with you? And Joshua, not being wise, he said, hey, my people are your people. Whatever you need, we've got it. But Joshua says, I just want to know. Is there a man of God around here that we can receive the word of the Lord? And Ahab says, yes, there is. And Ahab brings 400 prophets. He's like, hey, I brought the guys out. Should we go to this battle? And all 400 prophets began to give a good report. Oh, man. Ahab, go up into battle. The battle is yours. Take it. The next one. Hey, Ahab, it's all you, man. One of them even brought a, like an object lesson. He brought a horn and he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to crush the enemy. You've got this, Ahab. And everybody cheers. And after all 400 give him a report, Josaphat says, is there not a man of God that we could receive a word from the Lord? And Ahab says, there is one, but I hate him. He never prophesies anything good for me. I hate him. Joshua said, can we, can we talk to him? <laughs> and as they go get Micaiah, they go get Micaiah, 
and he comes out and the guy who brings Micaiah out, the Bible says, the guy tells him, all 400 prophets have given a good report. So please give a good report to the king. <laughs> please, please, please. And he walks out and Micaiah walks out and <laughs> Micaiah says, and I won't go for time thick, but he, he pretty much just gives them bad news. <laughs> You're going to die, Ahab. The children of Israel are going to be scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. It's going to be terrible if you go fight this battle. And Ahab looks at him and says, I told you he doesn't like me. <laughs> I told you he never prophesies anything good. And sometimes in the midst of fear, we're like Ahab. <laughs> Give me the 400 friends that I know they're going to say. And it's like, well, girl, it's going to be okay. Man, you know, you know that. It's just like that. Instead of bringing out the truth and saying, you know what you need to do here. You really do. You're not thinking straight, you're overwhelmed, but you know what you need to do here. I don't like that guy. I hate that. He never, they never say anything good to me. And in this process, as Jehoshaphat goes into this, Jehoshaphat fears. He prepares his heart to seek the Lord. God, here's my heart. He partners with other people. Hey, I need prayer in this. He begins to passionately pray. God, you know where we're at. This is where you put us. God, we need your help. And then he pursues truth. Bring the man of God. Let him tell us what we need to do. Don't be afraid. Okay, then what's the next step? And he begins to pursue truth. And then lastly, before his victory comes, I love this part. I love this part. Verse 18. And Joshua bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they arose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Joshua stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Like, I don't know if you see what just happened there, but after he asked for the truth, he pursues truth, all of a sudden, he begins to praise God. And nothing's happened. It's not like after the victory. Man, we just went out. <laughs> we defeated them. Play the instruments, boys. Let's praise. Nothing's happened. He heard the truth of God, and he began to praise with only a promise. The Bible says as soon as he's done, he falls to the ground and he worships God. Then after he worships, he says, hey, let's get the army together. Bring out the singers. And as they move forward, they begin to sing. And nothing has changed except for God promised it. So we're just going to praise him through it. See, we know this in salvation. Because the Bible talks about one day our faith will be sight. And so today, we sang before the throne of God above. And we talked about the, we sang about the day that one day we'll stand before God. And not because of anything we've done, but only because of what he's done. We know we have a home in heaven. And if you don't know that today, I really hope you would. Would come to know Jesus Christ and to know that hope. But you know what? We sing songs in church already. And as First John, I believe it says, whom you have not seen, you love. We sing praises all the time. And I've never seen God. But I do love singing victory in Jesus. <laughs> I've talked with Christ, read his word, but I've never seen him. But I really love singing complete in thee. And we know this on paper. We know this in salvation. But sometimes in our fears, we don't praise through the promises. I mean, we don't praise with just a promise. You know what? Right now, I don't understand how my financial needs are going to be met. But God said in his word, you know the birds of the fields, <laughs> how they fly? They don't have barns or storehouses. They don't have a fridge. <laughs> they don't shop at Sam's. 
and your heavenly father know what they need. So aren't you better than they? Okay. Lord, I know right now where I'm at, I'm struggling. And God's word, as we pursue truth, shows us truth. And in that moment, we don't wait for the victory. All the checks in the mail. God is so good. We do it with just his promises. Because all fear is based on unbelief. And unbelief is pushed out when I just be able to take God's promise and just praise him through it. This is why Paul and Silas, when Paul and Silas were singing in the jail, why it's such a big deal. Because most of us would say, <laughs> i just been beaten, imprisoned wrongfully. Where's my lawyer? Paul and Silas are praying and singing. Do you know if you're going to get out of here? <laughs> I don't know, but what's that third verse of that song? And in the midst of our trial, and as I read this passage, I had never, ever, maybe I had, and maybe I just forgot, but I had never thought about just praising God with just his promise. We haven't won any victory. The people are still coming. Joshua, just in case you know, you didn't know, newsflash, they're still coming. Nothing's changed. But you know what is? I found out the truth about this whole fear thing. This isn't my battle. This is God's. So guys, Let's sing. And they begin to sing just on the promises of God. And in verse, where is it? Verse 22. And it says that when they begin to sing and to praise the Lord, I mean, when they begin to sing and to praise, comma, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. So here's the beautiful part of the story. Jehoshaphat says, hey, I'm afraid. Here's my heart, God. Hey, can we partner together? Hey, we're going to pray about this. Man, we're going to pursue the truth. And you know what? We're just going to praise because God gave us the promise. And while they are yet singing and praising, this is what happens. The Bible says the Lord is setting an ambush for the enemy. And the Bible says the rest of the story in the word of God, true story. That as they're praising, when they begin to praise, that God said ambushments, and all of a sudden, we don't know, different commentators say different, different things, but all we know is at the end, the armies have somehow defeated each other. They begin to fight each other. And so they end up killing themselves before they even get Jehoshaphat. And so Jehoshaphat, they're just still singing. <laughs> I heard an old, old story. I know they didn't see that back then because it wasn't written. But I just didn't know anything that was written back then. <laughs> but as they're just marching and they're going forward, last verse of victory in Jesus, let's do it again. And as they go up, the Bible says they come to a field lined with dead bodies. The enemy is just laying everywhere. <laughs> and the Bible says as they go up, it took them three days to pick up all the spoil from the enemy. To take everything they had. It's like, whoa. Man, I had my sword ready, Joshua. I was ready. I had been practicing. No, it's okay. God fought this battle for us. He's already been ahead. While we were praising back there, he was setting up an ambush. He took him out. Now all we have to do is just gather what God left behind. And so much so that it takes three days. Joshua, I mean, Joshaphat. Sorry, not Joshua. Joshaphat. We, our troops went in today. We took about a third of the stuff, but there's still stuff there, man. There's weapons, gold, silver. We're going to have to come back tomorrow. Joshua, we tried to get it all today. Man, I just don't have pockets big enough to fill up all the stuff that this left there. And he brings it back. Three days. And they never had one time to lift a sword or do anything because God fought for them. And we see in the story of Jehoshaphat, a guy who is not perfect at all. We see in the story of a man who Jehoshaphat feared. And then prepared himself to seek the Lord. God, here's my heart. He partnered with someone else. Not just anybody. People that would fast. People that cared. People that were in the battle. He partnered with them. Hey, we need to pray. He prayed passionately. God. We don't have the might. We don't have the strength. 
we don't have the wisdom, we don't have the knowledge to be able to do this. But God, our eyes are upon you. And then he said, bring in the, bring in the man of God. And he began to pursue truth. Tell us what we need to do. Don't be afraid. Okay, what's the next step? Go up. And they woke up early the next morning. And then just from the promise, let's sing, guys. Let's just praise the Lord for what he's going to do. And then they moved forward. And God fought the battle. And God delivered them. And can I say that there are, in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us about those who received the promise and they never got to see the end. They didn't. So I know that the story of Josh Fett is awesome because they got three days worth of spoil. But there are moments in our Christian life where we may never get to see the end of the promise. I may have a health concern that I may never be able to see the promises of God fulfilled, but I'm going to still praise him all the same. I may have struggles that, you know what? I am not going to be able to put my hands on all the things that are going on. But I'm going to trust God all the same. And God is still going to work. And so in these moments, we say to God, please help our unbelief. God, would you help us? And so whatever your fear is, whatever your struggle is, anxiety, I'm going to challenge you to grab 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and use it as your game plan. The same way that uh, I gave you Captain Sullenberger's, Captain Sully's thing says, hey, when I was in that five minutes, I had five minutes to land that plane without somebody losing their lives. So this is what I did. I did what I did all the time, and I just accomplished it. This is what happens. I feared. And as soon as I did, I gave it all to the Lord. And I let him handle it and let it happen. And I can say probably 99% of the things that we struggle with will be taken care of when we walk through this. And we begin to let God bring us through the system that he has in his word. So I say this real quick because I haven't said it before, but there's some of us that go to church here all the time, and we, we know the word of God, and some of the time, we know the, some of them, some of us knew Jehoshaphat before. As soon as I said Jehoshaphat, as soon as I said St. Chronicles 20, some of you are like, that's Jehoshaphat, I already know that story, and you went through it. But maybe you're here this morning, and your greatest fear right now, if it's not, it should be, is what eternity holds. Because you may be here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ is your savior, and for you, the biggest fear you should have is to know that if something would happen to you today, what would happen? Last night, um, I had the opportunity to go over to North Flushing. They were having a rally, and they asked me to preach. And they asked me to preach on the gospel and the urgency of the gospel. And so I'm sitting down. I mean, we're preaching to teenagers. Um, Taylor and Trenton were there. And so we're, we're preaching on the urgency. And sometimes when we start talking about hell and things, I told the teenagers, you know what? It would almost seem like I can cotton this to scare people. It's like, you need to get saved because hell is on the way. But the Bible tells us it's a biblical truth. That one day I'm going to have to either spend eternity in heaven with the Lord or in hell separated from him. But see, the thing, same thing that we just walked through, <laughs> you can <laughs> go through that same process to know Jesus Christ is your Savior today, right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ... What I want you to do is prepare your heart to seek the Lord. The thing that you don't know is that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He guides us. He's unbelievable. He draws us to God. And right now, maybe that's what's happening. The Holy Spirit is in your heart and your life saying, hey, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if your life was to end, what would happen. But I can tell you. You can partner with someone here who would love to tell you, who would love to show you, who would love for you to know for 100% that you knew what would happen. And the Bible says, if you pray, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so what I want you to do is begin to think about this process. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, today is the day. You can accept Jesus Christ today. So as we walk away from this, I'm going to pray and we'll be done. And then we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing How Can I Fear in just a little bit. But this is what I want to happen, okay? So I just want, I don't want anybody to be surprised, not know if you don't go to church here all the time. And you're like, this is my first time at church anywhere, and it's already kind of weirded out. I'm just going to let you know what we're going to do. I'm going to pray in just a second. And as I pray, I'm just going to thank God for their service. And then I'm going to ask a question. I am going to ask. I'm going to say, hey, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Because we want to show you. And if you raise your hand when I ask that and you say, I don't know. 
I'm not here. I'm not going to come down like some game show announcer and point to you and say, they're right here. I'm just going to pray with you. And then I'm going to ask you, I am going to ask you, I'm going to seriously ask you if you wouldn't mind someone taking it out of this auditorium and sharing the gospel with you so you can know for that. Because honestly, if we're talking about fears, one of the biggest things I should be afraid of is what happens after death. And nobody here is going to say, oh, there goes another person in the back. They're going to say, praise the Lord that someone else got it settled. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you a question. And the rest of us, for those of us who have fears or struggles, maybe right now as I preach, you had a struggle in your mind. You're like, this is where I'm at. He didn't name it. He doesn't even know where clue, had a clue where I'm at. But right now, I'm starting the process. Even if right now you just start preparing your heart to seek God. God, I need your help. This is where we're walking. This is where I'm going. God, this is what's coming upon me. And maybe, even while we pray, for those sitting here, maybe, young people, you partner with your mom and dad right now. And you say, hey, can you pray with me? And maybe that looks like coming down to this altar and praying. Maybe it does. Maybe it looks like praying where you're seen. Maybe you grab somebody and you say, hey, I need you to partner with me right now because I'm having a struggle. And we begin to pray. And let God have those things. This is, this is church. If there's ever a place that we can do this, it should be right here. And so let's begin to pray and ask God to work in our hearts. So let's do exactly what I just said. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the process that you lay out here in it. Lord, as we walk through it, Lord, there are areas that we're stronger in. Lord, some of us do seek the Lord, but Lord, some of us try to walk these things alone. And Lord, you know all the needs in our hearts right now. And God, I thank you so much that the Holy Spirit can guide and direct us into all truth. So, God, I'm asking right now that you do that. But I pray that there's someone here who's maybe visiting or or maybe they've been coming here all their lives and they don't know you as their Savior. God, I pray that right now, today would be the day that they accept you as their Savior. Lord, we need your help, so we're asking for it. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. So I'm going to ask the first question, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll keep our heads bowed and eyes closed as if we were praying. And as we pray, I'm going to ask you the question, okay? So I told you I was going to. If you're here today... And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Would you mind raising your hand? Would you avoid all the rest of the fears and raise your hand and say, you know what? I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I would like to. I would like to know a little bit more about Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you're here, just as I said, there is no, there's no one here that's going to be like, oh, I'm going to point you out. I want to pray with you and pray for you. And then I would love to get someone to show you. Is there anybody here today? Anybody? All right. So according to this, we say that we're all believers, because I haven't seen anybody's hand. So since we're all believers, let's begin to deal with the things that God has in our hearts, where God's working, okay? So just like I said, that may look like we pray at the altar, that may look like we pray in our seats, but whatever the case may be, we need to be getting in touch with God. So as um, the invitation hymn plays, let's go at a prayer to God.